we finna get after it. We talking Debo Samuel, his contract, all that good stuff. Uh, we're talking about Kyle Shanahan and his usage with some of the rookies. Will we start to see a little bit more tick for some of these younger guys? And uh, we're going to get into some Trevor Lawrence, a little bit of the Jaguars matchup, which is kind of what I'm saying from them. But let's get it, man. Keep it locked right here. Let's go. Intercepted. It is picked up by Eric Crocker over midfield. He'll run it all the way into the end zone. Talk TV podcast. I don't like it. There we go. That's the light right there. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the San Francisco 49ers Morning Show. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And as always, man, I'm joined by all my people. Let's go. I see the flames going in. I was excited seeing everybody rocking, ready to go. A lot of the flames. I see the Warriors hashtags. I can't. I can't hate on the Warriors right now, man. They are, they are balling. The Warriors are balling. All right, and you know my Lakers. We're kind of a little, we're a little struggling, a little old, a little old. We'll see if the uh, Lakers can kind of snap out of it. Appreciate everybody that's tuned in. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, remember to share this video on your social media platforms. Bring it to seven thousand subs. Let's go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to leave that up, Marcos. Man, shout out. I, I think I talked about it a little bit yesterday, man. I said there's some news that should be, you know, coming out soon. A couple partnerships. You feel me? Uh, I wouldn't be able to do all this without you guys. So we do. Looks like we got a couple partnerships coming to the show. We already got Underdog Fantasy, all right? Promo code Crocky. If you don't haven't already, download the app, Underdog Fantasy. Uh, uh, you know, download the app, promo code Crocky. If you like to do bets, wager, parlays, things like that, download the app right now, promo code Crocky. I'm telling you. It's probably my favorite app to use. I use it on a daily basis. I'm a little addicted. I've made some money. You know, lost a little you know, few dollars here and there. But um, Underdog Fantasy, man. Underdog Fantasy, promo code Crocky. That's one of the uh, partners partners of this, of this show. Got some other partners, you know what I'm saying, coming along. And uh, what they do is they look at our, they look at the analytics. You know what I'm saying? They look at the analytics. They look at the numbers. They look at how y'all are tuned in. When you guys aren't tuned in live, they look at the comments and all those things, and they kind of project, how can Eric Crocker and his network that I'm creating, right? That's what this is, Frontline Sports Media, all right? How can Eric Crocker and his network benefit us? So uh, I wouldn't be able to do it without y'all. I appreciate all y'all tuning in with me every single morning, all right? Uh, funny, you know, sometimes I just like to, you know, talk a little bit before I get into the topics, but this morning, my wife and I, we kind of got into like a disagreement and, uh, the dis- we don't really argue, like we don't get in like this, like we don't have a, like one of those toxic relationships or anything like that. And I don't know if y'all can imagine me yelling or screaming. I mean, that's clearly not me either, but, um, you know, we got into a little disagreement because my son and y'all tell me if I'm wrong. All right. I feel like every single decision, every decision that involves our children shapes what they'll be moving forward, right? Like every little decision. So I'm really particular about that. So with my son, and my son is out here, he's my stepson. All right. But I've been in my, I've been in my stepson's life since he was six years old. He's now 14. All right. And you guys know, you know, if you're a step parent, it's it's a little different, right? It's a little different. 
But uh, I've always told my wife, like, every decision, everything matters. Like, anything you let him slide with, anything we he, we let him get away with, uh, you know, it could be the smallest of details of things. But it all matters. It always has mattered to me. And uh, it came to my wife. He went to my wife yesterday and was like, oh, I, I want to go to a new barber, right? And my wife is telling me this morning, like, oh, yeah, D wants to go to a new barber. Uh, he says all the kids go to this barber and 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 uh, he does a good job cutting their hair. And I'm thinking, well, the barber he goes to right now does a great job cutting his hair. Why does he want to go to the other, the new uh, barber or whatever? Oh, well, all his friends go to it. Well, who cares if all his friends go to the new barber? He has a barber that cuts his hair really good. And my thing is, I don't want my son to be a follower. Like, don't, if you want to do something because you want to do it, like, all right, cool. But we're not going to do something just because your friends are doing it. Like that, you know, I tell them all the time, clothes and things like that. If y'all notice on this show, I wear, I don't know if I could, let me click click down that thing. All right, this, this sweater I got on, all right, factory, uh, the, the factory institute of training, all right, those are my guys. My guys, Lavelle Hawkins, uh, Tim Brown, uh, Monica. That's them. This is them. That's out there in Stockton, California. All right, they cha- they training out there. Tim Brown, uh, Lavelle Hawkins, Monica. They out there training. They doing their thing. This is their stuff. I wear that. Yesterday, I think I had the handed over hoodie. Probably. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my homeboy Slappy. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you'll see me wear the north north side of Stockton hoodie. That's my homeboy D Graves. All right. So. I ain't wearing no name brand stuff. Like if I'm going to give money to anyone or whatever, or support anything, like it's going to be my homies. I'm not buying Gucci. I'm not buying all this other stuff. I only want to buy a a Nike hoodie. Like if I'm going to support something, it's going to be my homies. My, I say that to say, like, I try to tell my son, like, listen, you wearing the, uh, Supreme this or whatever, like, bro, that's, that stuff not going to, that's that, that stuff not gonna make you cool. Like if you're cool, like you're cool. It's not gonna be because well, I got this, I got that. Cause you could be corny and you know wear those things. So uh I just and I get it, it's just a barber. But to me, every little decision that we make with our children shapes who they'll be. This decision they'll make, things that we let them get away with. Um, you know, my son wanted to go to virtual learning, he was having a tough time with something, and oh, I want to go to virtual learning. And I'm like, ah. Eh. I don't think he should do that. You know, just every decision, every decision that we make for our children, man, mm-hmm. uh, it shapes. And ultimately the way I look at it is if my son ends up being like a failure of a man or like a weirdo or all that, like it falls on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, Hey, like, well, Croc, you're the one that raised this dude. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I think about that and I think of my childhood and I just think of just the decisions. And, uh, I try to shape my son's brain. He's obviously, too immature right now to understand that, but I try to just plant these seeds along the way. So um, I had to get that out there, man. Just, we got to create leaders, man. We got to create leaders of the future. And, you know, it all starts with every decision that they make from the time they're, you know, six years old, seven years old, the way that you, you know, discipline them, the the way that you get them to try to understand something, uh, you know, down to a barber. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, every decision, it shapes how we think. All right? So I had to get that out there. You know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes I just want to come on here and talk a little bit to y'all. What's going on in personal life? Y'all know I'm building a gym, sports performance facility, you know, frontline sports performance. 
And uh, yesterday they put up the mailbox. And, you know, I was excited about that. That's progress, right? Now the gym is supposed to, the building is supposed to arrive on the 23rd. So uh, we'll see if it actually arrives. They pushed the date out so many times. Uh, COVID had a lot to do with this. But um, 12,000 square foot sports performance facility, 50 yards turf this way, 25 this way, all come, masseuse room, all that, man. I can't wait. That's going to be frontline sports performance facility. But um, really excited about the the mailbox going up. You know what I'm saying? Just when you, and y'all see this, man, like when there's things that you like strive to do and, and you start to see things play out, you get excited by the smallest things. So that's something I'm really excited about. Frontline sports media, the merchandise coming. I appreciate everybody, man. Everybody that that that's rocked to me because all y'all, y'all, y'all contribute to everything that I'm able to do today. All right, but y'all ain't here. Y'all ain't coming here to hear me talk about this, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all wanted me to talk about Debo, Debo Samuel, who is off to a historically great start. All right, and at some point, like they're gonna have to pay him. So I'm looking at this season, and obviously Debo Samuel right now, he's 21 yards shy of 1,000 yards. The 49ers, the 49ers haven't, they haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver since Anquan Bowden, right? So we're talking about, what, 2014? All right, Anquan Bowden, 2014. Uh, before him, they had Crabtree, and obviously uh, Bowden was two times uh, – a thousand yard receiver, but I've seen a lot of people kind of talking about Debo Samuel, and it's like, oh well, 49ers gonna have to pay Debo Samuel, and maybe looking for different ways to move off of him. Get that out your head right now. They are not moving off of Debo Samuel at all. There, there is no way, shape, form, nothing. You're not moving off of him. We have not had the success at receiver like that. We haven't had that production at receiver like that. There is no way, no scenario where you let Debo walk or you look to trade him or anything like that. Maybe if the 49ers were a team like Pittsburgh that has done a good job of just consistently getting production out of receivers, okay, maybe. Uh, but even then, right now, Debo Samuel is on pace for 1,740 yards. 1,700 yards he's on pace for right now? And that's just receiving. He had some rushing yards in there too. As we just saw, he had like 30-something rushing yards and a touchdown the, the uh, Monday night. So Debo Samuel, a payday is coming. A payday is coming, and it's going to be a big payday. All right, now I did see the question right here. Croc, now are you willing to say Debo is a top, is top five at his position? No, I'm not willing to say that because I feel like to be top five, you have to kind of do it consistently. Like even Justin Jefferson, he had 1,400 yards last year. And I'm not going to say, well, Justin Jefferson, he's a top five receiver in this league. Like, I got to see you extremely together years because most of the guys are our top five. Like, they've been doing it for some years now, right? You know, when you look at uh, Julio Jones, uh, you know, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, even Mike Evans, I throw him in the mix. You know, Mike Evans, he's been a thousand-yard receiver every year of his career. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, to me... Yes, Debo is having an extraordinary year, a historically great season. But to be top five, to even be top 10, you got to do it for an extended period of time for me. All right, that's just my opinion. And sometimes my standards are a little high. I got somebody that was in my comments the other day 
uh, I don't even know dude's name, but he's like this analytical kind of nerd dude or whatever, Vang Vu, whatever his name is. But, um, you know, he was like, yeah, this guy said Jamar Chase isn't generational, isn't a generational prospect. But yeah, Jamar Chase is not a generational prospect to me. But what are your standards as a generational prospect? To me, a generational prospect is somebody that comes around every generation. Like not every draft, there's a generational guy, like every generation. And when I say generation, I mean like from my age to my son's age. And right now, the only guy that's that for me is Calvin Johnson, that receiver. So if you don't, if you ain't Calvin Johnson and that freakish and that, that like that, then to me, it's going to be hard for me to say that it's a generational prospect. All right. But anyways, uh, my standards sometimes are a little higher, right? In, in the sense of that, I'm good with understanding who people are, right? Like some people's standards for Josh Norman might be higher than me. And I'm just like, it's Josh Norman. He, of course, he's going to mess up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's Josh Norman. Like my standards for him as a starting cornerback are, uh, corner, aren't high. But uh, when it comes to the receiver position and saying that Debo is a top five receiver. I'm not there yet. Top 10, I'm not there yet. But obviously, if he continues to ball throughout this season and he can start hot next year, then we'll start to have those conversations, those debates. But as far as paying Debo Samuel, what will he get? And I started to look at some of the guys that are paid at the, at the receiver position. DeAndre Hopkins. And I don't know how this is possible. I didn't look at the years or anything like that, but Hopkins is his average salary a year is $27 million. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how that's possible. That's a lot of money uh, for a receiver. All right. So you got Hopkins at 27. Debo not getting that. But one thing about the receiver position, you can't lowball it. Like it, it the 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 market is what the market is. Just kind of like quarterbacks, just how the 49ers had to play pay Jimmy Garoppolo. They had to make him the highest paid quarterback in the league. A lot of people are like, how you make him the highest paid quarterback in the league? He started seven games in his career is what the market is. If you let him walk, what are teams going to be willing to pay him? And they were going to make him the highest paid quarterback in the league as well. All right. So Hopkins, $27 million. That's different. I don't even know why it's so much. All right. But you look at the next four guys, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, and Mike Thomas. All right, you got $22 million for Julio a year, Keenan Allen at 20, Cooper at 20, and Mike Thomas at 19. Debo is going to fall in that range. All right, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I saw people trying to lowball like George Kittle. Like, like oh, George Kittle, uh, you know, you can't pay him this, that. He shouldn't be paid this. And okay, you know, tight ends, their market, whatever it is, cool. Debo, he's getting 20 mil. Debo is getting $20 million. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Debo gets 21, 22. Wouldn't be surprised. Now, I have heard people say that what he's doing is because he's in the contract year. Debo is not in the contract year. Uh, Debo Samuel is in the third year of his contract. He has a four-year contract. He has no fifth-year option. He wasn't a first-round pick. All right, so he wasn't wasn't a first-round pick. Can't, 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 can't get the, the fifth-year option. But uh, Debo... They're going to they're gonna have to pay him. Now, when do you pay him? Do you want to wait until you see him do this again? Because if you do that, the number might go even up higher, right? If Debo comes back and he has another season like what he's doing right now, where he's on pace, you know, say he has 1,700 this year, 1,500 next year, that that he's going to 100% be the highest paid receiver in the league. So you can't risk that. You got to pay him now. Obviously, you would like to see him, you know, string together these type of seasons string together healthy seasons um, and do what he's doing. He's such a big pivotal part of the 49ers offense, but you might not have that luxury. If I'm them, I try to see what I could pay him 
this offseason. Now, this offseason, he'll be heading into his contract year. And so you don't 100% have to pay him. I think people think that. You don't have to. But do you want Debo to play on a contract, on a basically a, a year contract? And then if you don't pay him, then you start to get into the, do we franchise him and all this, that, and the other. So it starts to get a little sticky. We'll see how they handle it. But right now, he's definitely due for a big payday. Morning, Croc. Good morning. Is it me or the players ball out just before payday and slow down a little after getting their money? Honest question. Uh, good question, Eddie. I would say Debo's situation might be a little different because Debo is not in his contract year, right? So I know you said just before the payday, but he, you know, they don't they don't have to give him a contract this offseason. They can they can they can wait it out. Now again, the thing is, if you wait it out, you start to get into this struggle of you know utilizing uh, your. Your, your your franchise tag and you risk him just balling out again, then the number's going to go up. Look at what the Dallas Cowboys got into with Dak Prescott. If the Cowboys, they were on the fence with Dak Prescott, they could have just paid him right then and there. If the Cowboys would have just paid Dak right then and there, he would have been way cheaper. They waited out. They franchised him. They did this, that, and the other. Next thing you know, they had to pay him north of $40 million when they probably could have got him at 33 if they wouldn't have waited. So, um, it's a dangerous game. And the one thing that's interesting about Debo Samuel, let me make sure I get this right. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see. There is something very interesting about Debo Samuel. He is. All right. Debo's old. He came into the league at like 24 years old. So Debo, Debo Samuel turns 26 in January. So he's not one of these young springy guys that came in at the age of 21 years old, came in at 24. He's about to be 26 before this season is over. Well, it's only before now. make the playoffs. They're going to make it. All right. Uh, before this season's over, Debo, he'll be 26 years old. So that's another thing that you have to keep in it. Like he's not even out of his first contract by the time his, First four years are done, he'll be 27. You know what I'm saying? So he is a little bit older. That's something that you have to keep in account. Matter of fact, he might be, <laughs> then this is going to sound crazy. Hold on. Let me look into it real quick. Hold on. A player that has, watch this. Let me see if I'm right. Let's see. Okay. Nah, he's not. He's not. I thought maybe he was older than Amari Cooper because Amari Cooper he he feels like he's been in the league for what how for a hell long played hell of years with the Raiders he played a bunch of years for the Cowboys and he's 27. All right, so he's about a year and a half older than Debo. So yeah, Debo. <laughs> Did you just say the Niners are making the playoffs? Fuck out of here! I hear you. I hear you. All right, but uh, Debo Samuel he's a little bit older, so you got to take that into account too. This might be his only opportunity for a big payday. So he ain't settling for less. All right. By the end of his first contract, he'll be 27 years old. 27. So uh he'll have his four years to really cash in and get his hundred plus million. And that might be it for Debo as far as like just the big payday, the big contract. All right. Uh, I think they extended him during the offseason. Lots of money coming off the books when they move on from Jimmy. Yep, that definitely can help. And there should be 
an explosion in the uh, salary cap. I think that's what a lot of people are waiting on, right? The salary cap at some point is about to go up. When? We don't know. But getting guys locked in right now, you know, uh, that'd be big. That'd be big for them. Get it, get it right now. And then the salary cap should continue to go up. Croc, you tripping here? Oh, no, Debo is not old, right? He's going on 26 years old. Debo is old for somebody who is still in his first contract and, and basically has a year and a half left, right? So the fact that he's about to be 26 and he'll be 27 at the end of that's that's old for a first contract. And when you're looking at like having to pay him again, because most dudes who are balling the way he is. Their, their their first contract is ending at around the age of 24 years old. Guys that are, like, if you take Justin Jefferson, right? You look at Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson will be, when it's time for him to recoup, he'll be like 23, 24 years old. I think Juju Smith was like 23 when he was getting paid. So Debo is going to be 27 at the end of his, like, that's older for the end of your first contract. So that's what I mean. Like, not necessarily right. He's not old. He's still good, but. His payday. I, George Kittle, I think, was similar. Got another contribution here. Was good, Coach. Extending Debo in the upcoming offseason would be ideal, especially with Jimmy coming off the books or taking a pay cut. Also, the, yep, exactly. And we just kind of touched on that as well, right? Like salary cap going up, get some money back from uh, Jimmy Garoppolo coming off the books. Uh, you know, and obviously the 49ers have done a really good job of kind of maneuvering contracts, and not just the 49ers, the NFL in general. Heading into last offseason, it looked like the 49ers had like, I don't know, $5 million. Next thing you know, they had $20-something million, and they brought back a bunch of guys. So uh, definitely a lot of different ways to kind of rework the salary cap and all that good stuff. Uh, 49ers have done well with it. I see some people are like, Parag Marate, he's supposed to be this genius, but look at his Jimmy Garoppolo contract. He's getting paid $27 million. The genius part of Parag's contract negotiating with Jimmy Garoppolo is that at any point, the 49ers could, couldn't got him out of it, right? That's the genius part. Like, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo was just bad, he could have been gone after two years. And it's hard to have those type of that type of language in a lot of contracts. Here we go. Uh, here we go. But only 30 guys under contract next season. I wouldn't worry so much about that, KDOT. Uh, most of the time, they're just a huge inf- – there's a lot of guys that aren't on the contract. Most of most of the roster is filled out by guys on one, two-year contract. So I wouldn't worry too much about only 30 guys under contract. Like that's that's gonna be it's similar every year. You kind of go through that every year. Now, ideally, you want everybody to come back, but really you just need your core group to come back, right? Like your core guys. So yeah, wouldn't really worry about that. Breaking news and a surprise is just planning to start Flacco. Wow. Joe Flacco is starting on Sunday. That's interesting. All right, but uh, yeah, Debo Samuel definitely wanted to come in here and talk about that. What do y'all think? You know, is going to be his, you know, big payout, man. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Debo. If they extend him this offseason, he continues on this. On, on if it, if Debo continues on this pace that he's on, which is a historically great season for the 49ers, only player that will, if he continues this pace, will be more productive than this is Jerry Rice, right? Talking about over 1,700 yards, all right? And he's very well in reach. I think he's going to fall in between 1,500 to 1,700. Great season. The money that he's, he's going to demand, if they extend him this offseason, I'm thinking he gets about $21 million a year. 
was Debo. <laughs> I, I, do I follow Debo? I think I follow him on Instagram. I don't follow too many athletes on anything, but I like Debo. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, for crazy, my brother. Debo is one of my brother's favorite players in the league. My brother's a Cowboy fan, but he loves Debo Samuel. I don't know why. He usually hates on every 49er guy. Uh, any 49er players, my brother, he's always hating on them. But he loves Debo Samuel for whatever reason. But Debo's going to get about $21 million, And that's a lot of – Debo and, and Kendrick Bourne, they're kind of similar. They like the – you know what I'm saying? The Gucci, the Louis Vuitton, and all that type of stuff. So he's going to be able to buy a whole lot of that. $17 million a year, $40 million guaranteed. $17 million a year for who? Debo? Shit. Listen, and I'll repeat again because, Jeep, you might have just gotten in here. DeAndre Hopkins, he's at $27 million. Debo not getting that. But you got Julio at 22 Keenan Allen at 20 Amari Cooper at 20 Mike Thomas at 19 And at the end of the day, with receivers, it's about – it's about the the where the market is at that time. So he ain't taking those 17. You know why he's not taking 17? Because if you had to franchise tag him, these are five guys, 20. The way the franchise tag goes is they average it out by the top five guys at a position. So the franchise tag number is probably like $21 million. So he ain't so he's not going less than $21 million. The franchise tag, if he's like, bro, I'm not signing that, and they're like, all right, well, we're going to franchise tag you, it'll be $21 million. So he ain't taking $17 million a year. <laughs> he ain't taking seventeen. I see the I see the uh, comments in here, 21 at least. <laughs> 17 million, yeah, he ain't taking. Debo is not taking. And again, I was thinking he's going to get at least $20 million minimum, but now that I think about it, and when you average out the franchise tag, which will be about $21 million, and that's even – I don't know who else is coming up, right, that can inflate that, right, because A.J. Brown's going to be coming up. D, uh, D.K. Metcalf's going to be coming up. Terry McLaurin, those guys can get north of $21 million. So uh, that can that can bump that franchise tag up even more. So, yeah, $20, 20 million, that, that's that's even – that's going to be – Debo's going to be like, $20 million? Huh. <laughs> Go up. Go up. All right. I would do the deal today, seven seventeen million for a top wide receiver. She, you can't do it today, Eddie. The reason why you can't you can't do it today is because he's not taking seventeen million. If Debo Samuel took seventeen million dollars, I would assume that his agent, the 49ers staff, the 49ers front office, Parag Marate, they got something on Debo's agent, like he's a murderer or something. And they're like, listen, if you don't take, if you don't uh, let us sign Debo for seventeen million a year. Then we're gonna we're gonna tell that you murdered this person. That's the only way Debo takes seventeen million. Because anything less than that, like no, no, I need my chips with dip. Twenty one million. That's the that's that's the that's the floor. That's the floor. How much y'all think they spend on that chain? <laughs> All right, but anyways, yeah, Debo he gonna get paid. We talk about Debo, extremely productive. I'm excited. Again, 49ers have only had four guys go for over a thousand yards since. The year 2003. And that's Terrell Owens. Then in 03, you had uh, Michael Crabtree do it once. Uh, Bolden do it twice. And then now Debo will probably hit that in the next game. Really exciting. Really exciting to see. Oh, I was being sarcastic. He's 20% of the offense. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy too. And he's an even higher percentage of the passing game. Although George Kittle has come on strong. So George Kittle is doing his thing. Team needs a wide receiver one. D-Boy ain't it. Example, Hopkins, Evans. Ooh, this is a great take, uh, Tavares. Now, 
I think we can't look at Debo. We're, we can't put him in a box for what you think the traditional wide receiver one is supposed to look like. All right? Because at the end of the day, production is production. I think we have to look at it like, yes, Debo is different than Hopkins. He's different than Evans. He's different than DK. He's more similar to, a to AJ Brown, right? They just win. It's not pretty. It's not with great route running, but it's I'm going to win with strength. I'm going to catch the ball, yards after catch. Debo's yards after catch right now is crazy. It's like a historically great season for yards after catch. His yards after catch is crazy. His um, yards per catch, he's averaging, did I put it on here? I didn't write it down, but he's averaging a crazy amount of yards per catch for somebody who is only catching, like, he's not really catching downfield a whole lot, but he's averaging, like, 18 yards, 19 yards per catch. Like, it's crazy. So he might not be what you think, Tavares, is your traditional wide receiver one in terms of what Hopkins looks like or some of these other guys, but he is wide receiver one in terms of production. He just does it different. That's it. He just does it different. It's going to be similar with quarterbacks, right? I look at quarterbacks like this, where you see Trey Lance, you see Mac Jones, you see uh, Tom Brady, you see Patrick Mahomes. There's more than one way to be a big time quarterback, right? Like there's like the way that Tom Brady wins is similar to the way that Mac Jones wins, right? They win similar with the way they throw the ball, what they're looking to get the ball out of their hands and all that type of stuff. Like it looks, that looks similar, but that's a totally different way than uh, a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen. Same with like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. We watched this last game and I keep doing this. I keep saying, Trey Lance, I keep saying, I keep watching some of the throws that Jimmy Garoppolo makes. And I'm like, and I always ask myself, would Trey Lance have made that throw? Would Trey Lance have attempted that throw? Maybe not, right? Maybe he's a tick late on that. But then I have to remember, Trey Lance might not make that throw, but he's going to make a throw that's just different than what Jimmy Garoppolo does, right? And that's that's the same thing with Debo Samuel compared to Hopkins, Evans, and those other guys that might look like more traditional wide receiver ones. He's just doing it different. He's just doing it different. We need to throw outside the numbers for Debo to display the talent of a traditional wide receiver one. But here's my question, Darius. Does it matter if he wins a certain way, right? If, if, if Debo doesn't win consistently on the outside because we don't throw outside the numbers, and I get it for him to look like a traditional, but does it matter if he's taking slants and 60 yards to the crib? Or he's doing all these things where he's working on the, over the middle. You know, he's catching this. He's catching the deep over routes. He's breaking tackle. He's doing those things. I, I get it, but he's been productive the way that he's winning. So, uh, yeah, Crocky Lance will try throws. Jimmy never would, even though Jimmy made some tight one to throw. Yeah, they're just different. They're different quarterbacks. I think the throws that they are going to attempt and consistently make are just different. So I don't even want to compare Jimmy and Trey Lance. They're different style quarterbacks. They're going to see the field different. They're going to do different things. I think maybe Kyle is Kyle wants to get Jim uh, Trey Lance to be more to see the field more like Jimmy eventually, right? But the way that they do things, the way they see the field, we clearly see with 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 uh, Trey Lance. He's looking to push the ball vertically, like his eyes go vertically. Sometimes, like you know, you can't take the check down, <laughs> right? You can't hit this, but they just see the field different. So I think it's always going to look a little different. And that's okay. And that's okay. 
if Debo was traditional, Rams would probably stuck Ramsey on him. Uh, I don't think so. I think the Rams played their defense with because at the end of the day, whether you're traditional or not, production is production. I can't let this guy kill me. I can't let him kill me. If he's killing you, then it doesn't matter if he's your traditional wide receiver one or if he's just what Debo Samuel is, whatever that is. Like, bro, he's balling. He's balling. All right, here we go. That was enough on Debo Samuel. He's going to get paid. It's going to be more than $21 million a year. Will he get paid this offseason or they let, it write it out, write it, let him write it out? They let him write it out. They risked the chance of the number going up. And if he has another great year, you know what I'm saying, and, and is healthy and you're talking about 15 a year, then he's going to end up getting like $24 million a year. You pay on this offseason, you might be able to settle in at 21, especially if he's the first guy to sign out of all the other guys who are second round, second round picks, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and then third round pick, Terry McLaurin. They're all going to get paid. They're all going to get top dollar. There we go. My mama's in here. Good morning, mama. All right. Always good to see my mom in the chat. Uh, now let's talk about Kyle Shanahan's usage of some of these younger guys. And we won't spend as much time on this as we talked about with Debo Samuel. But it was interesting for me to, to see that the 49ers up at this time is like 31-10. The game is out of reach. And Kyle Shanahan was helping on not throwing the ball. Matter of fact, they did not put the ball in the air at this time. And about four minutes left. And all he did was just straight handoffs. All right. Everybody's saying good morning, mom. Um, all they did was straight handoffs. And I'm thinking, like, we talk about getting Trey Lance reps and things he's going to see. And just, just the live bullets of what it looks like. Even if we're going to get him in just to hand the ball off, because there's four minutes left, we're not putting the ball in the air. All right, we don't want to mess anything up, give the Rams any type of weird things that bounce their way, kind of like what happened with the Rams. We're just going to hand the ball off and whatever. I think the 49ers hand the ball off like 10 straight times or whatever it was at this time. All right. Why can't you get Trey Lance in there to do that? Now, again, I know what you guys are thinking, like, oh, it's the end of the game or whatever, but sometimes it could be just getting the guys in the right run call, right? You know, lining up. Okay, we got to flip it. I don't know if some of you guys watch uh, Eli Manning and Peyton Manning and their cast, but I watched some of it, right? I was kind of, when the 49ers were on offense, I was listening to them. When the 49ers were on defense, I was watching the regular cast until they started having these guests on, and they're not even talking about the game, really. But anyways, I'm watching them, and they said something, and I think it was uh, Jimmy Garoppolo that said, like, Oscar, 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 or something like that. And they were like, that's him flipping the play call to get the run and he's like, is, he's not audibling, but he's flipping which side they're running to. So maybe they were going to be running to the left. He flipped it with that call to run to the right just to get them in the right situation. Those That too, we always think about from a passing standpoint for Trey Lance, but from a running standpoint as well, that's beneficial to just have that experience of seeing that and understanding how to flip these calls and do those things like, okay, we've got this many guys in the box here. Okay, we're going to flip it here. I felt like that was a great opportunity. Just get him those reps. Just get him in the game. Let the nerves kind of settle a little bit, right? Hand the ball off. Just get those live reps, even if you're not putting the ball in the air. And I thought that was kind of a bosh opportunity. And it kind of reminds me of early in the season, I was talking about this. I was upset. You're talking about week four, Seattle. Trey Lance comes in the game, and I'm like, he's not set up to play right now. Like, he's not set up for any type of success. Hasn't got any reps with the ones, really. Uh, like, 90% of the snaps in practice are geared towards getting Jimmy Garoppolo ready. And they don't even practice like like people think. 
All right. And then it's like, all right, you come in. He hasn't had any live reps. Like, it's the first, like, get him those reps. We did it against the Lions. I'm the, the, he didn't have a whole lot of running yards or anything, rushing yards or anything like that. But just getting him in the flow, even if it's just five care, five, five plays, just get him those live reps, five plays. Can we figure out how to get Trey Lance five plays? Doesn't have to start. I'm not saying start him. And I don't want to mess up Jimmy Garoppolo's flow, but flow or rhythm, right? And that's the thing you risk with a starting quarterback. But other teams have figured it out, whether it was, you know, Drew Brees and, and Taysom Hill or whatever. Like, you figure out just different ways, different little areas. Okay, we want to get him in the game here. Do this with him, okay? You know, okay. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you go back in and you do your thing. Get him those live reps. And I thought this was another blown opportunity. So what's going to happen? You're going to have... You're going to have our guy, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, get hurt. Not going to win. Don't want him to get hurt. He's playing good football right now. But Jimmy Garoppolo, and then you throw in Trey Lance, and all of a sudden it's just like, damn, I ain't been in the game since. When's the last time he's been in the game? Since Arizona? <laughs> he hasn't taken a snap in the game since Arizona. So if Jimmy goes down, Trey Lance, is everything just continues to be sped up. So I looked at this game, and I'm like, man, this is not just an opportunity to get Trey Lance in when the game is over and all you're doing is handing it off. Again, he's not putting the ball in the air. He's not throwing the ball. I'm not saying throw passes. I'm not saying do any of that, do any trickery or anything. Just hand the ball, see the fronts. Okay. Okay. Hey, I got to flip this play call or, Hey, you should have flipped this play. Give him those live reps, get him to see it. You know, games just continue to kind of slow down a little bit for him. Give them, give them that opportunity. I thought this was a missed opportunity and not just for him, for Trey Sermon, right? You, you still can't get Trey Sermon any runs Trey Sermon you would think that he sucks Trey Sermon doesn't suck let me get to this and I'll get back to Trey Sermon let me write it down just so make sure I get to it Croc I agree 100% there was five minutes of garbage time perfect time to play Lance uh get Lance some reps exactly like again and if you're saying you got to throw it to you know keep the night okay no 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 but we're talking about, like, it was just like 10 straight handoffs in two different drives. All right, what are we doing? What are we doing, Kyle? We can't get your third overall pick in the game to hand the ball off? We're really weird. I'm interested to see, like, just curious, does his method of how he wants to bring along Trey Lance work? But then he goes, and uh, I think it was Grant Cohn that posted it. And I want to get it right. So let me pull up my Twitter account. Let me pull up Grant Cone. Grant tweets a lot, so hopefully I could, I could find it. All right. So um, let's see. So Kyle Shanahan came out and talked about Trey Lance knowing the entire playbook and that he needs live reps. But I want to get the exact quote. Here we go. Kyle Shanahan. Trey has the whole playbook in his head. He was able to do that in training camp. It's about going through it full speed at game time tempo. Going against the blitzes and all that stuff that can surprise you. That just comes with experience. I'm going to say this again. I'm going to read it again. Trey Lance has the whole playbook in his head. This is Kyle Shanahan. Trey Lance has the whole playbook in his head. He's able to do that in training camp. It's about going through it at full speed, game tempo, going against the blitzes and stuff that can surprise you. That's what comes with experience. So, okay, 
let's say we agree, which I'm pretty sure we all do agree. Kyle, how the fuck is he supposed to do that if you don't put him in the game? How is he supposed to do that if you don't got him in the game at all? Where's his experience that he, how is he going to get this at full speed with the tempo, seeing the different blitzes? And I'm just saying, okay, it's garbage time. We're not even throwing the ball. Just get him in there to run the rock. To hand it off, I mean. Don't even, he don't even got to run. Don't even risk him getting banged up or anything like that. He's handing it off. That's all Jimmy did for the last two drives. Hand it off, hand it off, hand it off, hand it off, hand it off. Get him used. I mean, even that, even those full speed reps helps. Just what he's seeing on defense. What are you seeing? What what look did they give you? Uh, what run blitzes did they do? Just that that helps with experience, all that. So it's like, Kyle, what are we doing? What are we doing, Kyle? I don't know. It's interesting. And it's not just it's not even just uh Trey, Trey Lance, it's Trey Sermon as well. Watch Brady in the arena, uh Bledsoe, $150 million contract. Kyle would have started Bledsoe once Bledsoe wasn't hurt. Bill made a ballsy move then and now. I got to watch this. And this is something that I think we all should we all should watch. I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be good. Now, Chris, is it a series or is it a uh, just a one-time like documentary thing like, like the uh, 30 for 30 with Deion Sanders or something like that? I'm curious to see. But yeah. Kyle says he Jim, uh, uh, Trey Lance knows everything in his head, but oh, he needs the live reps. He needs to see it live. Like, okay, how's he gonna do that? Now again, if you didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo, then he would begin that, and he would go through his ups and downs. You got Jimmy, okay, but damn, how many times are you gonna be in a situation where you are gonna run the ball twelve straight times or whatever it was at the end of the game to just kill the clock and not put the ball in the air at all? And you don't think that's a good time to? Get your guy in there. Wait, Trey Nance needs practice to hand the ball off? Are you sure? No. Trey Nance does not need time. Uh, he does not need practice handing the ball off. Trey Lance needs to see everything live at full game speed. That's what I'm saying. And that's the opportunity to see that. So even then, you the, when you're going against an opposing defense in an actual game against the Rams, they're going to give you different looks. At some point, you know, and again, I, I go back to Peyton Manning and Eli Manning and what I heard them say. There was a time where I believe it was Jimmy Garoppolo who flipped the run the run call, all right? They were loaded to one side, and Eli Manning and Peyton Manning, they were like, oh, yeah, he said Oscar, 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 or whatever. He flipped it to get them into running to the right area. Trey Lance needs those reps of seeing, okay, the defense is doing this. They might be running blitz, blitz in here, okay? Let me flip it and get my guy to a more beneficial, you know, run call for us. So I think it's just all the all the way around. Like there's just it's not just from a passing standpoint that guys need these mental reps. It's even running uh, from a rushing standpoint as well. Appreciate the uh, the question, my guy Chris. All right, here we go. This, talking about where was it, Chris? At here we go. Uh, yes, it's a series, but one episode revolved around that. All right, yeah, I for sure got to watch that. I for sure got to watch that. But yeah, Trey Sermon, uh, some of these other rookies, I think there's times where, you know, games like that, like, when can I get a guy in? And I think that was an opportunity to do it, and he didn't do it. So, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what he's doing, where he's going with this. It says these guys need the reps, they need the live reps, they need to do this, do that, they need to show this. But then it's like, ah, I'm going to keep Josh Norman on the field, even when the game is out of reach. But just play soft. We won't give up the big play, but we can't even have a younger guy in there to get these reps at the end of the game when the game is out of hand. 
couldn't get Embry Thomas in there. Couldn't get D'Amador Lenore in there. You know, even though we saw early on our guy, uh, Jason Brett, Terry's ACL, and kind of where we're at now, it's like, ah, 30 to 7 at this time or whatever it was, 31-7 late in the game. Mm, can't get our young corners any reps up, whatever that is, 23 points, 24 points or whatever. All right, so now I wanted to talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence and kind of what he's doing, but we'll wait to get into that. Uh, I've been talking long enough, almost in, what, 45 minutes now. So I'm going to let the callers come on. Appreciate everybody that's in here right now. Again, if you like this show, if you like what you've been hearing, go ahead, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. This show is also on uh, you know, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. It'll be shortly this afternoon. It'll be posted to that. Underdog Fantasy, promo code Crocky. Uh, go ahead, bet the over-unders on players' uh, stats. It's not just a fantasy football app or fantasy basketball, baseball. It has all those things. But also, you can uh, make you some money. Wager on over-unders. How many yards is Debo going to get against Jacksonville Jaguars? Do you think Debo's going to get over 70 yards? If so, bet the over, parlay that with some other stuff, and make you some money. Make you some money. All right, that's Underdog Fantasy. Download the app right now and type in promo code Crocky. That's C-R-O. C-K-Y. But here's the link. I want to get y'all on here. We're going to talk for another 40 minutes. Get everything going. I appreciate everybody that's in here. Everybody that's rocking with me every single morning. And first up, of course, got my guy Dion. What's good, Dion? What's good with it, Crocky? How you feeling this morning, brother? I'm feeling good. What you thinking about uh, Debo Samuel? That was one of the main things that we came in here to talk about. Uh, you know, he big payday coming up. Do you pay him this offseason? Do you try to wait it out? If he does even better next year or as good, that number's going to go up because of the other contracts. What are you thinking? Don't, don't, don't wait. Give him his money. Pay the man. In the words of Deion Sanders, pay the man. Just pay him now because I'm telling you right now, the price tag going to go up. And the reason that I state that is because when you have, uh, next year you're going to have Trey Lance in there. Don't let him build the right rapport with Debo Samuel. He's going to be hitting him in stride. There's going to be things he's going to be doing that's going to just push the price tag up. I say pay him now um, and just be smart about it. You know, give him the 20 to 21 because that's probably what he's going to ask for. You know, the the biggest the biggest part of his contract is going to be his guaranteed money. Right. You know, when people were to, when, when people weren't understanding what you were saying about age, let me tell you something. The minute you hit 30 in the NFL, you are no longer valuable. You are old. That is literally how they think. This is why they tell running backs they have a, at a maximum eight to 10 years. And that's only if you're continually running well. If you, you know, putting up, you know, uh, 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns every season as a running back, then you're okay to get paid. But if you put up anything less than that, you're devalued. This is just how the NFL works. Been watching it for years. But Debo, man, he balled out. Did you see that the NFL changed their picture to Debo Samuel with the chain on? Adam Williams, I'm like, uh, his chain's a lot yeah. better than mine, but yeah. I thought hey, that was man, I, I, was so, I was so happy with that, bro. I'm like, there you go, man. Get that man his credit. Give him his flowers. And to people that don't think Debo's a, a number one wideout, I'll tell you this. He's rewriting the book on how to be a number one wideout. You don't have to be the traditional, you know, climb the ladder and go get, like, the dude has the numbers to back it up just because he doesn't have 10 touchdowns like cooper cup don't mean anything as you can see cooper cup was a non-factor right he did still have over 100 yards but he didn't get in the end zone he didn't affect yet. the game 
he didn't, he affect, didn't affect yeah he didn't affect the game in the way that he normally does and this is what i was saying and everybody thought i was tripping because i was telling people at the, at the end of the day obj is not going to be a big factor because him and matthew stafford have no rapport built they haven't he hasn't thrown the ball to obj like that for him to really be a big factor um <clears throat> shout out to jimmy ward for two ints the man ain't had an int since 2016. So that's nice that he finally got two of them in one game. He did say in the post-game press conference, he looking for Jimmy. He was he was looking for OBJ after that hit he laid on him. He said, I'm gonna get OBJ. And 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 the one thing I like about Dub is he was saying straight up, man, you know, they I don't know why anybody tries me. And he said Sean McVay always trying him and he always makes him pay. So that that was great. The run game, 44 runs versus 19 passes. I love it. Um what I will say about Jimmy Garoppolo is very simple. He did what we asked him to do. That's all we can ask. I'm not going to be mad at him. I'm not going to put him down. I'm not going to say nothing negative about him. He did what we asked him to do. That's all you can ask. Are, are people putting him down? Yeah, people. I mean, everybody going to nitpick at something, bro. That's not going to change. And I'll tell you that the only thing I can say about Jimmy is, there was a couple of passes that he threw behind receivers, but he does that. That's nothing new. Jawan Jennings had, I forget who, he had somebody beat, and he put the ball behind him. If he puts that ball just at least a, a step in front of Jawan Jennings, Jawan Jennings catches the ball and takes off. So it, it these are the small things. People are going to nitpick, but me personally, I think Trey Lance could have done what Jimmy did last night. If you limit him to throwing the ball 19 times, he definitely could have done that, but he he had a good game. Can't be mad at him. I, I'm gonna get you off and get the next caller on, but yeah, it, it just it'll always look different. So we can't the, the way that a Trey Lance, a good game from Trey Lance is gonna look different than a good game from Jimmy Garoppolo. And obviously, we don't, you know, we gotta get Trey Lance to the point where he is having good games, and we'll see what that takes. But I appreciate you coming on, yes, sir. Hey, appreciate you cracking. Nothing but love to you, baby. Have a good day. All right, got my guy Roscoe's coming on next. Chris, what's good, man? <laughs> What's up, Croc? How's it oh, going? How, uh, well, uh, everything is good for me, man. I got this. I actually got this cool thing because you. I don't know if y'all know, but uh, Frontline Sports Media is an LLC, and they actually sent me this. Uh, the people I went through sent me this in the mail. I thought this was pretty cool. It's like a whole well, thing that has nice. all my, uh, like all my LLC stuff. I actually got my own, like uh, it's like a like a watermark thing and all that. I was like, yeah, okay, a little. Pay a little money for it, but I was, yeah, not that much. But they did everything, set everything up, got my business account set up. I was like, cool, nice, nice, nice. But anyways, yeah, I'm doing good. Hey, like like we said, <laughs> price going up. <laughs> oh, man, I know. And I got a, hey, speaking of price going up, uh, this new sponsor that I'm, I'm about to have on the show, I can't wait. And I know a lot of y'all going to need it. All right, but anyways, go, go ahead. <laughs> was it a Manscaped? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Okay, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I put that in the chat about Bill Belichick being ballsy. You got like going back. The the Patriots signed Drew Bledsoe for ten years, a hundred. I think it was one hundred and ten million. Or 150, I don't know. It was a lot of money though. It was a hundred that it was a hundred million dollar contract, right? They signed him. 
And then, you know, Brady's the backup in 2021. We're not, this is Brady's second year in the league. And nobody thinks that Brady's ever going to do play. And what's his name gets hurt. Brady comes in. Brady didn't even play like excellent. They were just winning. The defense was carrying them. And this is like what he details in his show. And I'm not going to give it away too much. I mean, even though we all know the story. My whole thing that I, I, I'm just looking at it, I'm like, Bledsoe was healthy. Bledsoe was healthy, and Bill Belichick could have easily went back to Drew Bledsoe and could have had that offense cooking. But he decided, nah, I'm going to stick with Tom Brady. He called him in and said, hey, Brady's going to start for the remainder of the season. And Brady went out the next game and threw four touchdown passes. And, of course, you know, leads him to the uh, Super Bowl. And you know how Brady had to play in the uh, – I mean, Brady got hurt in the AFC Championship game. Drew Bledsoe comes in, boom, you know, plays well. And Bill Belichick had another opportunity to start Bledsoe again. But he said, no, I'm sticking with Brady. This comes to t- show. This comes to show how ballsy Bill Belichick is compared to Kyle Shanahan, and that's why I said if Kyle Shanahan was in that situation, he would have started Drew Bledsoe. He would have went back to Drew Bledsoe, his hundred million dollar quarterback, and then you come into this year, you have Cam Newton, who you can you know the veteran. You got a rookie you just drafted. But what is what does uh Bill Belichick do again? Makes the ballsy move and starts his rookie quarterback, puts all his confidence in his rookie quarterback. And what and what do you and what did and what do they have? A six and four record. It and, and I'm just thinking, and then my whole time I'm thinking yesterday, I'm like, Kyle Shanahan would never make these type of moves. He's not a ballsy coach like that. What's your thoughts on that, Crop? I I think you 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 said a lot there, and I there has to be some truth to it, but I, I don't I don't know if it's about ballsy or just whatever their plan was, right? So Kyle Shanahan's plan was to not play Trey Lance this year, to kind of essentially use it as a red shirt while Jimmy Garoppolo did his thing and played well. I don't know what what uh Bilichek's plan was. Right. So so Kyle is sticking to his plan. Now, I think what you're saying is sometimes and I think we can all attest to this in life, things don't go as planned and you have to pivot. I talked about me coming out here to Arkansas. Right. I came to Arkansas and I've talked about this with you. I came to Arkansas to be a student assistant at the coach to finish and get my degree while my wife was in their nursing program. Like I moved from California to Arkansas for that. When I got here, that's not what happened. Whatever they said that was supposed to be the case and what I was supposed to do or whatever, they paid for my, they finished getting my degree, did not do it. This is the university that I went to. I went to this university. I came back to finish here because they were, it was like, in, to finish in California, it was going to set me back like a year. I'll be a junior college transfer again. All right. But um, I got out here. It wasn't what they told me it was going to be. So I had to pivot and I started doing other things. And I think Kyle Shanahan would try to force is trying to force his whatever his initial plan was. I think what you're saying is he doesn't have the balls to to pivot and 
he's doing what I said before, which is overvaluing maybe his current circumstances. You think that's the case? Yeah. Yeah, because you got to think about it. Uh, it wasn't Bill Bell. Because remember, they just signed Bledsoe to a $100 million contract. So it wasn't in their plan to have Brady come and start. And, you know, come in, they didn't see it in the cards that Bledsoe was going to get hurt. But even when Bledsoe got hurt, Brady was not lighting it up like that. He wasn't doing anything special. He wasn't He wasn't even doing what Mac Jones probably was doing right now. Well, maybe, I guess, but a little less than that. And Brady said, once he told me, like, hey, I'm the full-time guy, even when Bledsoe was, came back, that put a lot of confidence in him. And he, like I said, he came out through four touchdowns. And I think you touched on this, like putting putting confidence in your quarterbacks, showing how showing that you're confident in them, showing that you believe in them. And Belichick has done that, and which has catapulted him to be the greatest coach ever. Meanwhile, Shanahan just want to stick with his guy. Right. And All I right, see crap, somebody. All right, official, I appreciate you calling in. I see one person in here. What was it? They said that that was 20 years ago. And I think what my guy Roscoe is saying is. Well, he, history is repeating himself because he's doing it with Mac Jones as well. You know, where it's just, I'm going to ride with this. And, and he's riding out that plan. I see the comment here from my guy, Aaron. Uh, I don't think we see Lance unless Jimmy bombs or gets hurt. Kyle realized that Jimmy is sensitive about Lance playing and knows the vets have his back. Uh, I don't, that's not, that's not why. Well, okay. There's two things you said here. All right. One. You said, uh, no, I don't think we see Lance until Jimmy bombs or gets hurt. I, I can agree with that, right? Like, that seems to be what the plan was. The plan is for Jimmy Garoppolo to play well, which he has the last three weeks. I think last week I saw he had, like, the number one QBR in the NFL. He's been playing very good football over the last few weeks. So I think the plan was for Jimmy to play like that, and then eventually, all right, eventually uh, – we wait and Trey Lance can play next year or whatever. Like that was the initial goal. Now, once things weren't going well, Jimmy had some weird games, had some weird starts to games. Uh, you know, the Eagles game was really weird. I was at that game and I'm like, what is this? Right. Uh, the Packers game, the Seahawks game, Seahawks game, the 49ers started with five straight deep, three and outs on the defense and the offense mustered up one score. Uh, you know, when you start having those weird moments, I think you look at it like, man, I might be better off going with the young guy. Right. And that's where he was heading towards. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Kyle Shanahan said if it weren't for uh, Trey Lance getting a knee sprain, he would have started against the Colts. And that would have been it for the rest of the year. But had the knee sprain, that allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to get back in. And Jimmy has played well since. So uh, I think right now, as long as Jimmy continues to play well and doesn't string together weird moments, again, Kyle Shanahan said before, he didn't think Jimmy was one game away from being benched. Uh, but as long as he continues to string together good games, you'll see you'll see Jimmy for the entire time. Now, I don't think it's for the reasons that you mentioned, Jimmy being sensitive about playing, uh, about Lance playing, uh, vets having his back. Jimmy, they're not thinking about J Jimmy and his sensitivity. If that were the case, they wouldn't have traded all those picks to uh, draft somebody, number three overall. So they don't care about the sensitivity of Jimmy Garoppolo. Also about the vets having his back, and I've talked about that before. I was in the locker room with the New York Jets when they drafted Geno Smith and they had Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez went to two AFC championships with the uh, with the with the New York Jets. When they drafted Geno Smith, they draft Geno Smith. Like at the end of the day, I have a job to do. I got to do my job. 
everybody else is thinking I gotta do my job. Is if you get asked about it, yeah, you're gonna back the guy who's starting at the moment. But I'm telling you, the guys don't care. Like you have a job to do. So people back Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback. But the moment he's not starting quarterback, they will back whoever that starting quarterback is. And that's just how the NFL works. Appreciate the contribution. Here we go. Uh, I'll answer some of these questions. Lance isn't ready until he gets game time reps. I know that's what Kyle Shanahan said. It's like, all right, how do you get game time reps? If the guy who's telling me I need game time reps isn't putting me in the game. Uh, Trey's not going to get rid of the ball quick enough like Jimmy did on Monday Night Football. And I said this as well. Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo are different type of quarterbacks. So it's not so much about getting rid of the ball quick. It's this guy might win like this. Another guy might win a different way. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to look different. Patrick Mahomes looks different than Tom Brady. They're different type of quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes holds on to the ball longer. Pushes the ball. like He's looking to push the ball down the field. A lot of times if that first read isn't there, Patrick Mahomes moves around and buys time to just throw the ball downfield or hit the next read. That's not how Jimmy uh, – that's not how uh, Tom Brady wins. So just different styles. Different styles. Uh, try speaking facts as usual. I didn't see. I, I didn't see. What, Trace, what you got going on? Jimmy's weight with the ball. Even uh, Kittle said it. I I think, okay, when it comes to play, and I see people, they'll, they'll nitpick at Jimmy or they'll nitpick at, you know, all these quarterbacks or whatever, defense, whatever. When it comes to, uh, you know, a, a play, like there's going to be plays where a guy is late. There are also plenty of plays where Jimmy Garoppolo is on time, hitting guys in stride, as Debo Samuel. All right? So, yeah, there's going to be some late passes. There's going to be some on-time stuff. I think what they're saying is maybe Trey Lance might be a little more late than Jimmy Garoppolo, and I would agree, which is what you would expect because he ain't really had reps like that outside of one game. Uh, Garoppolo's release is elite and is absolutely elite. Trey on the level of Dan Marino as an isolated trait. Obviously, Monday night. Yep. And I think most people would agree with that throughout his time, right? Like, that's the one thing that people point to when they talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, hey, he excels at this. And it's like, boom, ball. Like, he snaps that out of there quick. It's nice, short, compact. It's beautiful. It is. It is an elite trait of his. It is. Here we go. Uh, more, ex more experience means quicker decisions. Rich, I agree. The more you see something, and that's anything, right? Like, that's with anything that we're doing in life. The more experience you have doing it with me, uh, you know, for the Locked On NFL Draft Show, I I cut up the audio and I, I load it and I do all that and cut up the video to post it to YouTube. Like, I've gotten faster. Like, the more I've done, I do it, the faster I get at it. Doing the ad reads. It maybe took me an hour the first time. Now it takes me five minutes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, nah, definitely. The more you do something, the more experience you gain doing it, the quicker you get at it. And I think that's the same for Jimmy Garoppolo. Same with Trey Lance. Why are we acting like Trey needs, uh, all Trey needs is reps because he knows the system. Trey has technique issues as well. It ain't just uh, the opportunity. Um, he has he has technique issues that 
can help from playing. So some some guys they they can hit the ground running doing something, but just think about something that you're doing and it's a little uncomfortable for you at first, right? And how that might look. And that's what maybe you're seeing from Trey Lance, right? With not really being sure. Okay, we'll use Josh Allen for an example. And not Josh Allen in the sense of, and I appreciate the comment, coach. Uh, not Josh Allen in the sense of this is what Trey Lance is gonna be, right? I mean, we've heard that comp and everything like that. But I'll use Josh Allen in the in the, in the sense of this. My guy Greg Pinelli comes on every Monday. So th this is me talking to Greg, who has worked with Josh Allen one to one. They talk twice a week. They talk uh, every like Thursday. They talk every Friday. And so this is like legit, like straight from this guy's mouth. This is what happened with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's rookie year in the NFL, the game was moving really fast for him. He wasn't sure what they wanted from him pre-snap. He also wasn't sure what he was seeing from the defense post-snap. All right. So he had guys doing all kinds of different things that he wasn't used to seeing. So he needed to see plays happen like uh, uh, guys be open. So a lot of times he was late with throws. So he, when he's late with throws, everything else breaks down, right? Because nothing is rhythm. His feet, you know, and everything starts with the feet. This is what my quarterback guys tell me. Everything starts with the feet when it comes to accuracy and all that. His feet were all messed up. He was standing there. He's waiting. Okay, he's open. Let me throw it. But everybody knows in the NFL, a lot of times when you wait, you're late, right? So now he's throwing it as hard as he can, and he was really inaccurate. When he's continued to improve, obviously he continued to work on his feet, his mechanics and things like that, and he started to see the game different. The game started to slow down for him, right? It started to slow down post-snap, uh, pre-snap, excuse me, pre-snap, because he understood more of what his team, his coordinator wanted from him. The game started to slow down post-snap because he started seeing what the defense was giving him. In turn, we saw a more efficient version of Josh Allen. Now, it took Josh Allen time, as we know, but he improved each year. First year, 52% passer. Missed a lot, crazy stuff. Some of the passes I remember sending to my guy, Greg, like, bro, this is your guy? What? The, this is your guy? Like, what is he doing? Next thing you know, next year, it's like, hey, this is your guy? Kind of looking better. Now, again, he only improved to a 58% passer. That's not great, but it was good enough to where he's making plays. They they go to the playoffs, right? They were up 16-0. They should have beat uh, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. Watson made some crazy plays. But – you see the improvement from year to year. And then year three, it just all came together. So, yes, Trey Lance has technical uh, things that he needs to work on, but those things can be improved. But a lot of it is going to be improved with playtime because if he's not seeing it, he's just going to be rushed, and he's going to be trying to use his he, – when he's rushed, he's going to be trying to use all his uh, natural ability, that his God-gifted ability. And it's hard to win like that in the NFL. Uh, you can't get better accuracy. You can't get better accuracy from playing double clutching in the pocket, bat footwork, slow release, all that ain't getting better. But it did though. Like it did with Josh Allen. Like, okay, that's not getting better with with just playing time. Like it can't just be, oh, you play more, so you get better with that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of hard work that goes behind the scenes uh, of, you know, training, off-season, seeing it, getting comfortable. Where do you think double-clutching starts, right? We saw him double-clutching 
All right, let's let's, let's take Trey Lance for, for example. All right, let's use Trey Lance here. I saw Trey Lance double clutch in the preseason, and it led to throwing hard over the middle and high, and it resulted in an interception, right? Throwing to Muhammad Sanu off his hands, throwing high and behind uh, uh, our guy uh, 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 Debo Samuel, right? Like, we saw that. We saw that in, in that game against the Chargers. But we also saw when Trey Lance was comfortable with what he was seeing and playing in the rhythm, how accurate he was then in that same game, right? You look at, okay, so just that goes to show you right now, if Trey Lance knows what he's seeing and he's comfortable with what he's seeing, a lot of the issues from a technical standpoint is not an issue, right? So when you look at the throw that he made down the sideline to Trent Sherfield, right? That was him understanding what he was seeing, what he was seeing pre-snap, uh, pre marrying that with post-snap, not being confused by anything, and him being able to manipulate the coverage and let it rip, right? He looked at the safety. He held the safety there. I know where my guy is going to be. And then I throw a nice touch pass to uh, essentially uh, Trent Sherfield, who ends up being wide open. Why was Trent Sherfield wide open? Because Trey, Trey, Trey Lance was comfortable with his scene, held the safety, knew what the coverage was, and was able to throw that whole shot, right? He was very comfortable. So it looked good. It looked rhythm, and it was accurate. Same with the touchdown to Travis Benjamin. And I'm using this game because we saw the good and the bad in that game. The touchdown to Travis Benjamin. He held the linebacker. I'm looking left. I'm holding the linebacker. I'm understanding I have man backside. I'm going to come back. I'm going to hit him here. But I'm going to hold this linebacker. Look here. Come back. Snap. In rhythm. Fire it over the middle. Perfect ball. Good touch. Was a strike. Touchdown. Extremely accurate. So what I say is, yes, you can get better accuracy from playing more. Because if you look at Trey Lance and a lot of his inaccurate uh, issues, it's him not really understanding what he's seeing. That's what it's coming from. Whether it was double clutching, whether it was all that, like, so we've seen him when when Trey Lance, when he understands it and he throws in the rhythm and he's good, like it looks great. When he doesn't, it looks wacky. How do you get him to improve on that? Sounds like playing more. The more he sees it, the more he'll understand it. So that's just you know my kind of thought process on that. We've seen him do it good. I'd say if we if if we were like. Trey Lance just always crappy, then I'd be like, well, he just can't do it. He was a 67% passer at North Dakota State with a lot of uh, pro concepts. He wasn't really throwing like a whole lot of screens and things like that. Like he was throwing the ball. He was accurate enough. Now I'm not saying he's Mac Jones accurate or even like Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields. I'm not saying he's that, but I'm saying yeah, he's sure he could be accurate. He make all the throws when he's playing the rhythm. It looks good. How do you get him to be more comfortable with that even in the NFL? We've seen it look good in the NFL, and we've seen it look bad. So how do you get him to be more consistent with the good? And I think it's him seeing it. Because when everything is in rhythm with Trey Lance, when it's in rhythm, when he drops back and he understands what he's seeing, and he feel, it comes out, it looks, it looks really good. It looks really good. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. Uh, Jimmy misreads all the time. Look how uh, many times he throws to linebackers. Okay, I, so Peyton Manning, all right, and I appreciate the comment, Trace, Trice. Peyton Manning talked about him, right? He he knew so much what he was seeing from the defense, right? It's almost like he knew the defense better than the defense knew itself. So 
there were times where Peyton Manning would throw an interception because he knows this guy's not supposed to be there. Right? It's like, hey, this this guy, I know the coverage, I'm seeing it. I know exactly what this is. This is what tipped me off. This guy's supposed to be over here. So I'm going to throw to this spot because I know my guy's going to be there and I know exactly what that defender's going to do, right, based on film. But then if the, de- if the defender did something different than what he was expecting because he just maybe just did the wrong thing and, he, and, and Manning ends up throwing an interception, looks bad, right? If I'm giving Jimmy the benefit of doubt because we have seen him do some weird stuff throwing the linebackers. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Maybe he's like, hey, I know what I'm supposed to be seeing. I know where this linebacker is supposed to be, but he throws it anyway. I don't know. Sometimes it is weird because he throws it like right to a linebacker. And it's like, bro, you, you ain't see that linebacker standing right there. Like one time it was uh, he against Arizona. They were in the red zone. He threw a curl to, it was like uh, Emmanuel Sanders. And there's a linebacker right there. And he just like threw it right to the linebacker. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Like how you do that? But maybe. He's thinking the linebacker's not supposed to be there. That's me giving Jimmy the benefit of the doubt. Jimmy can't see linebackers. He threw it to Kendricks versus Minnesota. And he threw it to Kendricks like three or four times. Uh, he caught one of them. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. Um, but I feel like he's improved on that. How many times have we seen Jimmy hit linebackers this year? What are Jimmy's interceptions this year? I can't think of them off the top of my head. But I don't feel like they're just right to linebackers, right? He In the past, though, yeah, that was definitely an issue. Man, appreciate everybody that's been in here, man. Make sure you like, subscribe if you like this show. If this is your first time coming, I hope to see you back. Retain all y'all. I have noticed that there are a lot of people from all over the world that watch this show. All right, so that's awesome. I looked at the demographic. Obviously, most majority of you guys come from California, but uh, I mean, not California, excuse me, uh, United States. But I mean, I got a Canada following, like New Zealand, uh, Australia. Got listeners from all over, man. And I, I think that is, uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I appreciate it again. Got sponsors coming to the show. Wouldn't be able to do it without y'all. Wouldn't be able to do it with the likes, The you know, without the likes, the subscribes, the the donations, all that stuff. Got people tuning in from Washington. Let's go. Straight from Washington. That's what's up. Uh, living 25 minutes from Levi. So I got some South Bay folks in here. Mobile, Alabama. Let's go. Let's go. I love it. I love it. Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. But he's from the Bay. All right, Chris. Appreciate it. That's what's up, man. I love everybody that's in here, man. Uh, you guys have uh, been a big part of this and made this fun. But again, if you haven't, if you didn't catch this whole thing, you can catch it live on uh, Spotify, Apple. It'll be loaded later. All right. So make sure you guys tune into that. Subscribe. You know, this is in podcast form. All right. Grant Cohen says 49ers will franchise Debo. If the 49ers franchise Debo, I mean, that's going to be 20, $23 million by that point, by that time. It'll be about $23 million franchise tag. So they franchise them. It'll be $23 million. You're going to pay him $23 million a year uh, uh, for the franchise or pay him now and, you know, kind of dictate the terms of that. We got Fresno in here. That's what's up. 200 people in here and only 80 likes. I know, man. What's up with that? What's up with that, man? They're not trying to help the algorithms here. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madeira. Okay, 209 in the house. Let's go. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. I appreciate everybody that's in here. You already know. Same time, same place tomorrow. Make sure if you haven't already, listen to Locked On 49ers. We have Winky Wednesday. Locked On NFL Draft with myself and Ryan Tracy. Uh, it's always draft time, baby. Sponsors coming to the show. I appreciate everybody that's helped contribute to that. And until next time, man, I'm out. Peace. Intercepted. It is picked off by Aaron Crocker. Over midfield. He'll run it all the way into the end zone. Touchdown. The Crop Talk TV Podcast. Peace.